0: Hey, hey, welcome back everyone to another broadcast of In The Trenches. Today's guest is Abdo Riani, who is the founder of StartupCircle.co and the creator of the Bootstrapping Summit. Today, I sit down with Abdo to talk about his Bootstrapping Summit, how he came up with the idea, what he did to implement it, what it did for his business, and kind of the ins and outs of where things worked really well and what things didn't, what things he would improve, and where he would double down next time. So I look at this as a great conversation if you're interested in running a virtual summit to see what have some other people done and how have they done it what worked well and what didn't and to maybe take away some key learning lessons and points from this for yourself to implement in your own virtual summit so my big takeaway is just that listen if you have an idea for something you want to execute and you want to implement and you want to get it out there just do it in this case with abdo when he did the bootstrapping summit he did it he got it done fairly quickly i think his, his investment his time investment was maybe if, i don't know two to two to four months, we'll say, give or take. And it wasn't necessarily like an, a full-time job getting this up and running. I just mean that that was the amount of time it kind of took to go from inception to launch. And he did it with, I think, about 100 guest interviewees. So you don't even need to do it at that scale or that scope. And it can still be a great thing for your business, for your brand, and for everything you're doing. So just know that it doesn't have to be huge time investment or time suck or time drain. It doesn't have to cost you a lot of money. And it's something you can do on the side, but it can still add to your bottom line by putting you on the scene, making you visible, and allowing you to kind of build relationships with really important people in your space. And I think a summit or a podcast, those are one of the two best ways to build relationships. So I'm a big fan of kind of what Abdo has to say today. So I'm going to leave it at that. Without further ado, let's get to today's conversation. So Abdo, the place I want to start is... A little bit of your background, like what led you to what you're doing today, before we connected and before you ran your bootstrapping summit and the results you got from that. Let's backtrack a little bit. How would you get there?
1: Absolutely, Tom. Thank you very much for having me. To you know, to begin, um, I'm really excited to talk about the journey right now and focus a little more on the summit. Um, so it all started about seven, eight years ago when when I started my first uh, venture where I created a startup product that. Uh, Um, that rewarded users for their eco-friendly actions. You know, I've always had passion for the environment and I wanted to find a way to contribute to the environment, awareness about the environment. And one of the challenges that I faced, first of all, the reason why I started with with this in the startup world, um, given the fact that nobody in my family has ever heard of of a startup in their life, was how, I guess, uh, unbelievable in my opinion, a, a few lines of code can make such a, a big impact on people's lives, and mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. by that I thought this is amazing. You know how people can focus on creating a quality product through code, and uh, as a result, really impact many people, them as the founders, the customers, uh, and every stakeholder. So that what that's what really got me into technology. When I started my first startup, I realized that. I guess funding is important. I learned quickly that it's not that important for any entrepreneur to start. Anybody can start with whatever resources they have, but it is somehow important. And I learned uh, after my first venture that there are many ways that entrepreneurs can, uh, many things that entrepreneurs can do to uh, to mitigate the uh, lack of resources uh, issue. Whether it is to go to market under the condition of the unavailability of the product, in other words, doing things that don't scale, whether it is to focus on building an audience and then uh, launching or pre-selling the product to the audience, Uh, there are many ways that entrepreneurs can do that. And I wanted to talk about that. I wanted to become, I guess, an ambassador for entrepreneurs to show entrepreneurs how they can build viable and valuable startup ventures under limited to no budget. Now, four or five years later, I started investing in building and growing an audience by sharing valuable content. And it was, for example, recently that I started uh, the Bootstrapping Summit with the same goal. I wanted to grow an audience and I wanted to build connections and I wanted to uh, sell services now uh, that I'm trying to expand my, my products. Uh, And the summit was one way I was able to accomplish all of this and I really want to discuss it in details today and how together we worked uh, To make success out of it.
0: Yeah And that's what I'm really curious to kind of dive into as well because I remember I think I read one of your emails that came out after the event ended and You kind of made this kind of cool comparison that it was like to get up to your first thousand subscribers I think it took you a year over a year and then you like blew through that number with this event in like a few days or something like that. So tell me a little bit about kind of what what this this thing did for you, this this launch of the summit, kind of broadly speaking, and then we'll kind of get into the nitty-gritty of like what worked, what didn't, what you would like double down on. But broadly speaking, what were the results of this launch for you?
1: Absolutely. So here's here's, you know, Tom, let me let me describe it in a sentence. I'm considering Uh, this event or online events in general, what I would call every entrepreneur's entrepreneur's opportunity for a three months overnight success. Hmm. To be very honest, I think this is one of the fastest and most effective way for any entrepreneur to accomplish many things. Let me name a few that I have accomplished. First of all, building connections with about 110 entrepreneurs in the space. Those are really uh, successful founders that are, it's not easy to get in touch with them. It's not easy to get an hour of their time. It's not easy to ask them for something and have them uh, do what you need. So that, is, that was really one of the, the high value outcomes that I have accomplished by launching this online event. Number two, I was able to grow an audience. I was able to double my audience, in fact. Uh, having those people that I interviewed contribute to bringing people to to attend this event in general an excellent way to leverage other people 's audience to grow your own audience that was number two number three, I was able to sell services so one of the things I started doing this year was was offer different types of products and services started launching digital products consulting coaching uh, services and by Uh, By inviting thousands of people to the bootstrapping summit and by getting that new exposure, I was able to uh, broaden my reach and offer and sell my products, my new products and services to uh, a new audience. Uh, Those are the three biggest outcomes that I have accomplished from my investment, essentially in time, mostly uh, to launch this online event.
0: Yeah, I think what's really cool is starting with like the relationships piece too, because I think sometimes people overlook that or or don't see like the immediate ROI of something like that. So it takes a second, uh, you know, a second tier seat, or people kind of ignore it or dismiss it. But I, I know personally, my experience, and obviously with many many of my clients, when we kind of focus on this, it's like. The cool part is with those relationships it's like where does it go from here there's a lot of upside by building the relationship in the proper way and so by you interviewing these individuals you got to know them you got to figure out kind of like what their goals are what their aspirations are there's probably going to be ways that you can help them out in the future but but now they know you so there may be something where you guys could work on jointly together they could support you in another campaign and have you seen that like manifest at all already
1: Exactly now you talked about long-term, uh, uh, the long-term result or the, the the return of, I mean, the out the long-term outcome of of building relationships. But actually, I've also seen the short-term outcomes of it. First of all, um, there have come many opportunities during the calls that I have discussed different opportunities with those uh, successful entrepreneurs that we're currently planning on collaborating on. So that was that's number one. Number two, you know, the short-term outcome of getting to know those people, interviewing them, highlighting their expertise, getting them exposure to a new audience is that just a couple of weeks later, not a year later, just a couple of weeks later, they're usually more than happy to spread the word about your event and getting you uh, exposed to a new audience. So in addition to what you're talking about right now, Tom, of, of having those connections that you can leverage in the future. I think there are so many benefits uh, in the short term as well. And uh, the two that I mentioned right now are, uh, are the biggest and, and had the most impact on the success of my uh, summit so far.
0: I love it. And um, so when you ran this event, when we connected, you had, you, had, you were in the kind of planning process. I think you had actually already started to interview some people and then, then we started working together kind of like to solidify some of the pieces um, strategically and kind of operationally to make sure it ran as smoothly as possible. One of the things I remember w- with one of our early conversations was, you know, I think I remember saying, you know, this is uh, a little tight of a timeline, but let's see if we can make it happen. And you did like you, you condensed the timeline to a point where I was like, I was a little uncomfortable. Cause like, I was like, if we had an extra month or two, maybe we get more people on board, but you did it in a really, it sounded, it seemed like really quickly. So what gives some people a context of how, like quickly this whole thing from idea and conception to starting those interviews to the launch. Um, How many months it took you or weeks
1: since last year, actually I've been thinking about launching a summit. I even Mm -hmm. bought, I even bought the domain bootstrapping summit Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, I was, it was just in the back of my head and I was, I'd been thinking about it for a while and, and then I interviewed you and then you interviewed me and then I show, I, I saw your numbers and I really liked those numbers. So I thought about it for a little bit and I said, you know what? I don't have much to do over the next two, three months. I'm just going to go all in. I think the next day, if I recall correctly, I emailed about 60 or 70 people and I had 12 confirmed. Um, And I remember in my pitch to them, I said, well, in this event, I'm going to have 40 speakers. And then the next week I had like 40 already you know, planned. So I said, I have a lot of time still. So let me keep contacting more people. And before I knew it, I had 100 confirmed interviews. So it, it was really a matter of, of just doing the work. If you don't have other things to do, and if you just want to focus on organizing this summit, I did 100 interviews in 42 days. And those were one of the first interviews in my life. So it wasn't like I had a lot of experience. 90% of the people I interviewed, I had never met or had never changed emails with. So it, it really, it, it's one of those things that don't require experience, uh, don't require a lot of knowledge about the, about running, you know, summits or online events. Um, it's just a matter of, of investing the time and, and by investing the time to be more specific, interviewing the, I mean, uh, pitching the right people with the right uh, with the right pitch getting them uh, to an interview as soon as possible, and then making the right ask at the right time. Uh, those are the three key, I guess, uh, stages or milestones or steps that every uh, entrepreneur organizing an online event has to, I guess, not master, but make sure that they do them the right way. If you get those done, 70-80% of the summit is you know, technically over.
0: What do you think, as you kind of look back on this and, and you've done some, at least from, from the emails I've read, you've done some basic like kind of analysis and evaluation of how it all went. What do you think worked really well? Like what were, what were the strategies you did or the strategies you, you implemented or the tactics you implemented or any types of marketing, uh, we'll say, um, strategies or tactics that you implemented that, that worked really well that you would like, if you were doing this again, you would double down on those.
1: Yeah, so there's this one strategy that I had learned uh, and and, and I had implemented in the past, and I implemented implemented it again now that that worked very very well. And that is, do not start the pitch with the summit. I never started pitching entrepreneur speakers by talking about I want you to uh, to invite you to an interview that I will publish uh, on a summit. I actually, uh, you know, earlier I mentioned that I. Uh, had bought the domain bootstrapping summit last year. I I had actually, I remember it was probably in January or something like that. I emailed a few entrepreneurs and told them that I'm organizing this summit. I barely got an answer. So one of the things that I highly recommend entrepreneurs do is pitch speakers for an interview. And then after the interview, share the ways that you plan on promoting this interview. Uh, One of those ways is going to be your event. Uh, and um, and in any case, if this entrepreneur is not interested in having their interview being featured on a summit, then in that case, you can say, "Well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to post it on my blog. I'm going to promote it in social media, um, and uh, and everybody's happy." But out of 120 interviews I did, and I only published about 100, uh, nobody, nobody has ever asked me to. Um, to not publish it on uh, the summit. This has been the most effective strategy uh, for me to get to 100 interviewees because I was 100% sure that if I emailed 1,000 people and told them about a summit, first of all, every email thread would have been 20 emails long because they will ask more questions. And second of all, I will you know, have to make it a five months project for me to complete this, uh, summit.
0: Interesting. Okay, great. And that's, so you kind of uh, just led with, Hey, I'd love to interview you. And then once you conducted the interview or, or on that call, that's when you shared, like, here's the ways I'm going to be publishing this. Correct. And that's when the conversation about the summit specifically came up. Um, did you ever get any backlash from that? I'm curious. You don't have to name names because my only question or thought is like, I, it seems like a clever strategy and, I think it, it makes sense because it's like, I, exactly with what you mentioned, it's like, I don't want to go through 10 or 20 emails trying to explain what's what's going on with this when a lot of times th- that back and forth is usually just about, well, the, the nuance of like, well, do I have to commit to promoting? Do I have to, you know, whatever it is on their end. That's, I think, usually what the conflict is with people not saying yes to a summit because they expect that they might have to promote it. So I think the idea of just saying, I'd like to interview you, and especially if you don't have any intention of like forcing somebody to promote, it seems like that would work and I think is seems fine but I'm curious if you did get any kind of negative feedback or or any pushback on something like that and how you might if you did how you might improve that in the future
1: yeah there was one 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 situation there was one uh, entrepreneur who I emailed uh, kindly asking if they would be inclined to promote uh, the summit and um, and he he didn't like the fact that I um, not didn't like the fact but I thought that I imposed for him to promote the summit, mm-hmm. or for me to publish it uh, on on the summit. And my intentions were completely different. I said, if you're inclined to promote the summit, uh, your interview uh, in the summit, uh, when would be the best time for you? So he said, I wasn't expecting to uh, promote anything, and uh, I'm not sure. You know, I'd, I'd like to do that, and and I'm mm-hmm. not explaining this to him, uh, he, he understood, but it was just a misunderstanding. You know, the, the key here is, is to make sure that you don't impose anything. You're Mm -hmm. just asking if you could please Mm -hmm. uh, promote the summit. Uh, and, um, and when you do that, then you make sure that even those who don't want to promote, they're either not answer or, or answer to you and tell you I'm not comfortable promoting. I could just perhaps share on social media
0: yeah, I like I, I completely agree and would would echo that sentiment. It's like I think it's so important to just do the ask uh, do it in a polite, polite way. Um, and and when, again, there's different strategies out there, but i I always take the say long term relationship approach to these kind of things. that if you can, you know if it's if the person's worth knowing and has ideas worth sharing, that's good enough. If they end up promoting or sharing, that's even better but it's like having that relationship now and then being able to do something with it in the future is better than trying to go uh, make it transactional right from the start. And I've seen people reach out to me like, oh, hey, sign this contract and you'd be on our summit. And it's like, I have to do all this like promotion. I'm like, this is nuts. Like I'm surprised this would ever work, but maybe for some people, but I definitely like your approach. It's like do the relationship-based one. And I'd say if there's only one out of like 100 negative reactions or or we'll say just not as positive that and even that you kind of smoothed over, it sounds like that was a successful strategy and you could do it again.
1: I think it's worth it, to be honest with you. And it saves some time because when, when you pitch them the idea of the summit, unless, obviously, you know the people I know. I know, for example, for your summit, uh, for the 100K launch summit, you knew most of the, the people you interviewed. And, and you could go straight and talk about the summit and, and that your goal is to, uh, to help those who are looking to launch a product or service. Uh, and getting as many people to to uh, attend the summit as possible, would you be able to also promote it for me? You know that if you know the people, then then it's easier. But if you're talking to strangers, it's really much better to start with the relationship. You know, start talking to them, getting them to an interview, um, do a little bit of research about them, have a conversation. After the conversation, after building that trust, after uh, building or moving that barrier, then you can kindly ask. And um, 99% of the time, you're going to get a friendly answer, whether it's yes or no. When it's, uh, I mean, a positive answer, whether it's yes or no. If it's negative, then uh, you could deal with it and make sure that you're clear that it's really no condition to being on the summit. Uh, you're just kindly asking if they'd be interested in promoting.
0: Yep. Awesome. I completely agree. I think that's a a good strategy. So you did this over a pretty short period of time. You ended up getting a bunch of promotional partners from the people you interviewed, but not forcing them to promote or anything like that, just using this kind of the strategy or process you outlined. And then you ran the campaign and it looks like you ended up growing your list pretty substantially, uh, much faster than you'd ever had before. You, I think did relatively well, uh, financially, you don't have to divulge numbers if you don't, don't want. And then what I thought was really cool was on the back end, you then landed some new, uh, what I guess I would consider or describe maybe as like lucrative clients. And so maybe you can kind of give us an idea of like, what has been like kind of the financial or business impact, um, beyond like those kind of four key areas you mentioned earlier, um, in terms of like where, where you're going now, with the platform and what is it, what is it allowing you to do now?
1: Absolutely. So Tom, you know, if you remember a long time, I mean, about two, three months ago, when we talked, I said, my goal is really to get more exposure. I'm not looking to monetize the summit. I'm not looking to generate any revenue over the short short term. What I want is a bigger audience so I can launch more uh, high-end products and services to them in the future. And this is exactly what this online event has allowed me to do. In fact, right after the event, I was uh, in the middle, you know, maybe the last day or two, I got approached by one of the attendees uh, who's starting a new venture and uh, asked me for help. One of the things I do is I help entrepreneurs take an idea to first paying customer, including product development, marketing and consulting through my startup development studio, Aspire IT. And uh, because of the exposure that I gained throughout the summit, I was able to get in touch with entrepreneurs like... Uh, like him, and that turned into a uh, five-figure project. So um, that was, uh, I guess, the immediate immediate impact of of the summit. But many of those entrepreneurs that have joined are are in contact with me right now, and uh, chances are in the near future, many of them will convert into paying customers. Uh, and um, and that was really my first and ultimate goal as as Uh, we talked, if you recall, a couple months ago about what I really want to accomplish from running this event. And it's very, very important that if you're running your own event, and if you're thinking of uh, having a successful launch, that you start with the end result. What is it that you want to accomplish as a result of the online event? Because the online event, most of the time, is really not not the end result. It's it's like a medium. Uh, And... uh, and when you have that in mind, you can make a few adjustments. You can make um, some moves that would allow you to accomplish uh, those results sooner or later.
0: That's awesome. And you also a quick question. Kind of this is more detail, but I know you implemented right message, which I've spoken about. I don't know if I've spoken about it on the podcast before, but definitely in my newsletter, and I've written about it on my blog because I think it's a really neat tool that brings uh, the ability to kind of like you know, really infinite customization and personalization. Um, it makes it. That, that available to any small business owner, anybody with a website. Whereas before you probably would have hired it, like a really expensive engineer to develop something like that. But you implemented WriteMessage, which allowed you to personalize certain pages of your website, certain pages of the summit, like say registration page or sales page. Um, and I think you did a number of like customizations and personalizations for your various uh, promotional partners. Do you have any of the the details on how that that panned out for you overall? Did you get like, did you see a big bump in registrations or sales or or any of those metrics that were you were tracking?
1: Without right message, I think I would have lost about three thousand subscribers. Wow! Right message has increased my conversion by about four hundred percent. It went from eleven to about fifty-seven percent.
0: That's wild.
1: Yeah, that that was really really impactful, and I'm 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 so glad I, I you know I ended up using it. I think I made a decision to implement right message uh, like. 10 days before the launch of the summit, not because I didn't want to use Bryant message in the first place. Uh, uh it was because, uh, for me, you know, I had those hundred interviews and, and all of the things that I needed to set up from the websites and, and, uh, the emails I had to write, uh, to prepare. So, uh, I, I was, was a bit, uh, rushed, but I am so glad I made that investment in time. And, uh, And, and that, um, that led to those great results.
0: that's awesome. Yeah. I would, I would encourage it. I shared a bit about that when I ran mine and I didn't see that dramatic, uh, a spike, but it was still significant. I think when mine was on average, maybe like something like a 25 to 50%, which is still like really significant spike in, in, I think it was maybe about 25 on 25% on average, but it was, it was wild to see it in action. So, if anybody's curious about that, um, definitely go check out right uh, or you can hop over to, uh, And I've written some blog posts recently about it, but anyway, without kind of digging too, too much more uh, deeply into the, the personalization, well, actually real quick on this. So if somebody's listening, what, what did you personalize that gave you that bump? Like what were some of the things that you, you thought were that were that, well, that drove that, that increase, um, in terms of like what you personalized. So what, what do you think drove that increase in subscribers?
1: Well, I did two or three things. First of all, I, I made sure that uh, I used the picture of the of the refer so if people came through you, I made sure that they see your picture. Uh, the second thing I did, I included a quote uh, from you. If you didn't send me a testimonial, you did, but most of them didn't. And for those who didn't, uh, I um, I took a quote from the interview and I used it as as a as in, you know, in, in that section where I have the image of uh, the person who referred them. And the, finally, I use keywords. So uh, for entrepreneurs uh, that came through you, I use the word pre-selling, I use the word bootstrapping, I use the word launch. Uh, and for entrepreneurs that came through, let's say, Chris Badgett, I use the words courses, I use the words digital products. Um, I used... Um, also, he, war- he talks a lot about pre-selling... So that simple, you know, it's really not a lot. That, that small uh, personalization that drove that much traffic. Uh, so if, if I invested a little more time to personalize other sections on the homepage and the sales space, I, I, I think I would have had even better results. Uh, just to uh, clarify how big of a difference uh, s- small changes like this can make on conversion rates.
0: I love it. Now, are you planning to do an event like this in the future, or what does it look like in terms of kind of your platform in the next six to twelve months?
1: Yeah. So, over maybe in October or November, I am. I'm still planning my next launch. I will uh, for sure launch a different, um, a, another event like this, uh, maybe with another, with a different topic, focusing on a different uh, idea. This time it was uh, the bootstrapping summit. By the way, if you want to check it out. It's it's at bootstrapping summit.abduriani.com. And um, in November or October, I think I'm launching a different one. Uh, It's one of the best investments in time, mostly really, for any entrepreneur uh, to make, uh, to get those, as I mentioned earlier, in my opinion, three months overnight success.
0: I love it. And so if people are curious in connecting with you or learning more about you or potentially working with you, where should they head to and how should they do that?
1: Abduriani.com. I've actually also documented the journey of uh, launching this uh, event and the outcome of launching this event at Abduriani.com forward slash accelerate dash method. I think it's one of the best investments that I mentioned earlier that any entrepreneur can make. And, uh, I've listed all the steps I took and the outcome from launching this event. And if you have any questions, ask me or Tom and, um, looking forward to, uh, to connecting with you.
0: Awesome. Amdo. Hey man, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your story and being in the trenches. It was a pleasure.
1: Tom, thank you very much for having me and, and glad, uh, to have worked with you.
0: Are you trying to grow your online business, but struggling to get new customers consistently and predictably? Are you tired of working nonstop only to see your income plateau? Are you ready to step off the hustle hamster wheel, as I call it, and step onto a path of predictable profit that you can scale as much or as little as you want? Don't worry. You're not alone. I've been there. When I first got started, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. So I started reading blogs and listening to podcasts by people I respected and wanted to learn from. I slowly but surely put their recommendations into practice, but because I wanted to do it all myself, maybe you You're something like that, right? And You love to do, do it by yourself, learn through trial and error. Well, bottom line is it took forever. Results were unpredictable when I was first getting started. I wasn't sure where to spend my time, money, and energy. And shiny penny syndrome got the best of me on more than one occasion. For many entrepreneurs, the amount I sacrificed, working literally nonstop in some cases in my spare time, and 12 and 14 hour days routinely after going full time, combined with the endless fog of war, aka that uncertainty that I had to deal with at all times because I was going it alone, I think that would have been enough for most entrepreneurs to throw in the towel. But I was persistent, focused, and I stayed humble. Day after day, I worked to grow the traffic to my website, increase my list of subscribers, and generate a healthy living for my eBooks, e-courses, and other digital products. At least that was the goal. But maybe more important than the work was that I paid attention to what I was doing, including what worked and what didn't. Eventually, I discovered a predictable pattern of growth. And so what I did was I just doubled down on those things, and I scrapped or sidelined the other things that weren't working so well. Finally, two years after resigning my commission as a captain in the army and going full-time on my online business front with my blog, with my podcast, et cetera, I replaced my income with digital product income. Two years. And so if that's where it stopped, I would have been happy with it. I would have been happy with the results. I wouldn't have complained. I would have been very content just replacing my income. But the bottom line is it was so much work. I wanted to you know, see if it could go somewhere else, right? So I just kept doing what I was doing, but better, faster, and more effectively. Again, just kind of applying the same system that I discovered uh, from seeing these patterns emerge, right? So I implemented it, I kept doing it. And eventually replacing my income turned into doubling my income. And then that turned into a little bit more and a little bit more. But not just that, it afforded me the freedom to dictate my day and also choose the projects I wanna work on on the schedule and on the timeline I want, and to work with the people I want to work with. And to me, that's like a whole new level of freedom, especially coming from the military. It's something I've never really had that level of complete autonomy until I became my own boss. I started my own business. And until ultimately, until it became profitable enough for me to start to take a step back and actually reap the rewards of it. Because it's not all just working, working, working. And I do believe it's hard work. And I'll always say that, nothing about doing this stuff is easy. But at the same time, you've got to reap the rewards at some point and take some of that profit, uh, even if you're just reinvesting it into new assets and things like that. Bottom line is, it can't just be work, right? Entrepreneurship and business is about that result that occurs, the value you've created and the profit, that, that piece of value that you've captured, okay? And you want to be able to reap the rewards of that profit, of that value, that little sliver of value that you get to capture, that you get to net, right? You want to be able to take advantage of that. Otherwise, you know, the entrepreneurship game really does become just a grind. And and for, I think, a lot of entrepreneurs, unfortunately, it becomes meaningless, and that's when they quit. Well, for me, I love this stuff. I really, truly do. I mean, it is my thing. And so that's why I didn't just stop where I was at. I've stayed committed to learning everything I can about all aspects of this online business world and this online marketing world. And I do this through real-world application. In other words, I'm currently growing several online businesses and I'm always putting my ideas to the test in real time with my own money, with my own time and energy, oftentimes with employees, you know, a lot of some some stuff more advanced, some stuff more simple, but You know, so varying levels of complexity, and again, in different spaces, different niches. And I can say, you know, bottom line, I've always loved the startup hustle, but I gotta say, it's nice to now be in a position where I can get big results with much less effort, thanks to having built the foundation of my business the right way. And again, I did it all through trial and error, but I don't think that that's the way that everyone needs to do it. And in fact, looking back on it, if I had to redo it, I don't know if I would. It was so difficult to just go it alone and try to figure everything out by myself. So one of the things I've tried to do is get back with this podcast, with my blog, and with my newsletter. But maybe even more rewarding than any of this stuff, while I've enjoyed all of it, I think the thing that I'm enjoying the most, that I find most engaging and rewarding is the premium business mastermind and coaching program I run called 100K Academy. Inside 100K Academy, I help ambitious entrepreneurs who are very driven and excited to be doing what they're doing. I help them grow their reach, their influence, and their profit using my proprietary marketing system. That's the same one I use to scale my own online businesses from zero to multiple six figures and beyond. And the same system I use to help my clients reach the New York Times, Wall Street Journal bestseller list, set Kickstarter funding records, and create viral product launches that have turned into predictable revenue streams. So lots and lots of case studies that you could find at TomMorcus.com. If you're curious, just go to TomMorcus.com. Slash about, and that'll get you started. Most importantly, this system is one that 100K Academy members and alumni have used to achieve tremendous results, like Alexa, who used it to have her most profitable year ever, or Tina, who used it to make five figures from a sales funnel that she can now replicate and scale, and that's exactly what she's doing, or Carrie, who made over $75,000 in just seven days. And the crazy part about his story was that his online business was actually a side hustle up until that first profitable launch which he has then been able to grow and scale. And he subsequently quit his job following that very successful week. And I think that that has been just a game changer for Carrie and the life he's living the work he gets to do and the impact he gets to make on the world because of the great work he's doing now. Because he was able to figure out a system that would get him the targeted traffic, the subscribers, the sales, to grow a profitable online business. Bottom line, if you want to grow your online business from six to seven figures, but you flatlined or you're struggling, or you just want to be told what to do and when to do it and in what order, right? And you want a system that is predictable and scalable and isn't just you know another shiny penny, but actually will fit right into your business. It plugs in and is something that you can truly grow. I want you to go to tommorcus.com academy. That's tommorcus.com slash academy. Academy is spelled A-C-A-D-E-M-Y. Go to tommorcus.com slash academy, and you'll find a page on my website with more details about 100K Academy, the business mastermind coaching program I run, as well as instructions on what to do next. Again, that's tommorcus.com slash academy. And if you're serious about growing your reach, influence, and profit, just follow the instructions and we'll be in touch, okay? Again, tommorcus.com slash academy. Go ahead and head over there now. That's it for today. Stay frosty.